I think it's July 14th. Where's the fireworks? Oh, that's right, that's the fourth. I got it wrong. I sort of want to do a FDR impression right now, you know? July 14th, 2002, a date that will live in infamy. It doesn't seem appropriate. Oh, awesome. <laughs> you can hear the drum roll, get some guns, get July 14th. Y'all know that it's Bastille Day, right? That's the most important thing to know. Bastille Day. It's kind of French independence. It's also the uh, 17th anniversary of my ordination as a pastor. And uh, thank you. Marion kind of let the cat out of the bag on Facebook again. She's, she's a Facebook person. And uh, 17 years, it's, it's uh, <laughs> in some sense the shortest 17 years I've ever spent. But in, in, in other ways, it just seems like forever. Um, Marion and I just passed our 25th wedding anniversary, and we were together for three years before that. So you do the math, and you realize that when we started courting, dating, and when we got married, um, none of this was anywhere on the horizon. In fact, none of this was ever anywhere on land or sea, according to Marion's lights, and she had no idea what she was signing up for. (laughs) But she stuck with me all these years. And so thank you, honey. You know, and I got to say, this guy over here on the drums has been with me the entire time as well. We've been playing in bands for probably 18 years. And Joe, yeah. And Joe, who's in uh, Texas or Colorado or someplace right now, he also has been playing in the bands for all that time. And um, that I get to sit on a stage with... Musicians like Vernon and Chris and Jason and his brother Nolan. Uh, It's just an amazing uh, privilege to be able to do this, especially in this tiny little room that they want to come and play here is, is, is just breathtaking to me. And, of course, all of you who have allowed me to be able to continue to just keep doing this for, for all these years. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a ride. You know, looking back, I find it shockingly amazing that I was able to find an evangelical church that would ordain me. And it, it's, I, I find that pretty interesting. Too. <laughs> See? <laughs> so maybe some of you who haven't been part of the evangelical church and part of what we're doing here, maybe it's not so shocking to you, but believe me, it's pretty shocking. And um, when, when I look back, it, it's, there was a guy who was in the church that, that, I, that I landed in uh, at the same time. And we were both in the pastoral training program. And he was like the perfect evangelical pastor to be. I mean, everything about him. He had this pedigree that probably went back four generations of evangelicals. He knew all the language. He knew everything. He looked like he stepped out of GQ. You all know what GQ is. He had the perfect looks, the perfect hair, the perfect poise, tall, beautiful, and well-spoken. And they were grooming him. And then there was me, kind of the greaser from the south side of the tracks. I was divorced. I was a Catholic. And I was probably an evangelical about 15 minutes before I started playing on the worship team. Um, I didn't know... I didn't know how to speak in tongues. I didn't know the hymns. I didn't know the songs. Back when Chris was redefining contemporary Christian music in the early 80s, I was in my agnostic, liberal, tree-hugging, secular phase. And it was another 10 years before I landed in a church again. And I come into this community, and I, I love the community so much. 
And yet, I didn't feel the hesitation. I didn't feel the discomfort that I brought to them. I, I can look back on it now and I can see it. And of course, I can see it from a leadership position too. And she's like, oh my God. But I wouldn't go away. You ever seen one of those, uh, those movies where the, the peasants are revolting and, and they're sieging the, the castle and they, they'll take a big cart full of hay and light it on fire and roll it down the hill into the front door and it burns down the door. And they go, that was me. I was the burning cart burning down their door and I wouldn't go away. And I just knew that I knew that I was supposed to be a pastor, that God wanted me to be a pastor, that God was going to direct my steps and God was going to make sure that everything happened, that everything was going to be well if I just did my part. I believe that so strongly. You know, that is really powerful fuel. That is really powerful motivation if you believe that. But what it does is it transports your hope for meaning out into the future. It's always out there someplace. And so this moment just becomes a vehicle for the future that God is engineering for you. And it allows, it allowed me to make a lot of decisions that hurt people because I was always focused out there someplace. I wasn't focused here. I wasn't paying attention to what was going on right in front of me. Now, looking back, if you've been here at all for a while, you've heard my rant about God's will. I see some heads going up and down already. You know, I went round and round about God's will. What is God's will? What is God's will for my life? How does this really work? And I was focused on, like most of us, I was focused on the what's of life. What am I supposed to do? What's my ministry? What's my job? What person am I supposed to marry? It was what, 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 all the details of life. And I thought that God had this perfect plan for me that included all those what's. And if I could just figure it out and execute it perfectly, then God was going to do everything he was supposed to do and make all my desires come true and make everything well according to the way that I wanted it to be well. Seventeen years later, having been mugged a few times by life, I realized that if God's will is the most important thing in my life, then he's not played in hide-and-seek with it. It's not a what at all, because he doesn't give us the what's. It's a how. Every page of Scripture, everything in our world tells us about the how, how we're supposed to live. Jesus said the greatest commandment was loving God and loving your neighbor, and the two were exactly the same thing. At the end of his, of his earthly ministry... He said, this final commandment that I give you is to love each other as I have loved you. And everyone will know that you're my followers by your love, by this way that you relate, by this way that you love each other the way I have loved you. And so it's a how. With the right how, any what will do. Choose your what. Follow your bliss with the right how. Did God want me to be a pastor? See, I look back on that now and I said, I don't think God cared if I was a pastor. But once I became a pastor, he cared intensely that I was a decent pastor, that I was a loving pastor, just as he would have cared that I was a decent carpenter or you name it, a decent marketer. It didn't matter. It's the how that matters. But in order to get to that, in order to get that shift made in your soul between the what and the how, <laughs> incorporates a lot of loss. 
Because to move from the what to the how, to move to this place where you realize that God isn't directing you in the way that you thought, because I still believe to my socks that God is directing me. But he's not directing me in terms of what I am going to do or this outcome that I may have in mind. He is showing my soul what he looks like. He's showing my soul how he relates. And he is helping me to become one with that how. So that whatever what I do is infused with his will. And that's a completely different thing. But to let go of the what, to move into this how, is the death of the certainty that I thought I had 17 years ago. I was certain of certain things, how they were going to happen and how they were going to play out, which is why I could make those hurtful decisions because it was all the means to God's end, right? But to let that go, to let go of the certainty in favor of what God is really bringing is everything. That's what these 17 years have taught me. These 17 years have taught me that if I can't find meaning purpose, identity, and contentment right here, right now. And I'm not going to find it anywhere else. I'm not going to find it out there. And the there won't matter if I haven't become the kind of man who can be content right now in all my circumstances. See, this is the genius of Paul. This is what Paul says, and I hope you go look it up, Ephesians 4.11. When he says, I have learned to be content in all my circumstances, what's he really saying? He's saying, I have learned to find meaning in this moment, not the next one. And I have learned that God's will for me is how I attend this moment and not what I do that leads anywhere else or what I build that is not going to survive me anyway, not me. And this turnaround has been the amazing thing in these 17 years. To keep building, to keep growing, to keep working really hard, to strive for excellence, to be able to say, hey, here's our plans for our faith community. Here's where we want to go. And yet hold it lightly with this intention that right now is the moment. I mean, look around you right now. This is as good as it gets. This moment, if you will allow it, is the perfect moment. It's full of our presence. It's full of God's presence. And if you can't find that here, if we can't find that here, it comes back to the Dorothy syndrome, I think, right? After everything that she did, after all that travel with the cyclone and the whirlwind and the Oz and all the stuff, when she gets back, what does she say? Next time I go looking for my heart's desire, I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it's not there, I never really lost it to begin with. That's it. Jesus is pointing us right here. I had to live part of a lifetime to get away from those limiting and unliberating ideas that as comforting as they were at the time were keeping me from the real liberation that Jesus is talking about. The freedom to be content in any circumstance right here and right now. And I want to thank you all for being part of that ride and for allowing me the luxury of continuing to be a pastor for these 17 years 
so that I could figure this out. (laughs) And I hope that everything that we're doing here at The Effect is helping you figure it out. This is it. This is the moment. This is the day that the Lord has made. There is no other. Either we join in with our Father right now, join in with this music, with Chris and everything that we're doing, or we have to wait for the next moment to come around the corner and try again. But that's the way it works. I'm convinced. You go become convinced of what you're convinced of. But thank you so much for all the, all the years and all the love and all the support. That's all I got.